as we kind of get into Isaiah 61, I want to back up a chapter or two and just kind of re-look at a couple of verses real quick just to kind of remember um, where we are. And and if you you remember, um, as we've been teaching through this and as as Eric mentioned, uh, these last several chapters, they have kind of a kind of a recurring theme. Um, it, as, as Isaiah is writing um, the words of God, there's kind of this, uh, a couple of things that keep coming up in each and every chapter. And I kind of want to remind us of that so we kind of know where we're at, kind of where we came from, how we got um, to Isaiah 61. You know, what has the Lord just said? Because um, if you remember, um, you know, when God gave uh, his word to the writers, he didn't give them chapters and verse numbers. Like he didn't tell Isaiah, I want you to start writing chapter 61 today. Um, so we read these as prophecies, um, and, and you know, we're the ones that put the chapters and stuff in there. So, so sometimes it's good to remember, like, like this is not a completely separate thing that we're talking about. Um, so, so the thought here is kind of flowing uh, from chapter to chapter, and I just kind of want to remind us of that. So in Isaiah 59... Uh, verses 18 through 21, we're talking about God's vengeance. <clears throat> and he said, according to their deeds, so he will repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies, to the coastlands he will render payment. So they sh- shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which with the wind of the Lord drives. And a redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. And then in Isaiah 60, verses 19 through 22, the last verses that we looked at um, in Isaiah 60, we, we get a picture of God's comfort. Um, and it says, The sun shall be no more uh, your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself the Lord will be your everlasting light. And your days of mourning shall be ended, and your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. At least the least one shall become a clan, the smallest one a mighty nation. I'm the Lord. In its time I will hasten it. And so if we think about these promises that the Lord has made, one, judgment is coming. But two, so is this eternal existence with God. We, we talked about the new Jerusalem, how that will come, and we will dwell with God forever. Um, and, and as he said in, in Isaiah 60, uh, you won't need the sun because the Lord will be the light. God will be our light. Like, like we're in his presence forever. And so, and so we're thinking about these things as we move into 61. We're thinking about, one, um, there is a coming judgment. And two, there is also a coming reward um, from God to those who are faithful, to those who believe. Um, and so we, that kind of brings us into 61. And the reason I kind of want us to remember this is because, like I said, this is not, it's not that Isaiah was writing and then, you know, God kind of had this side thought of, oh, yeah, by the way, tell him this. Um, and it's completely separated from what we've been talking about. As we said, the rest of these chapters, they all kind of, point to the same thing, to these two realities. Um, and so I want us to remember that. And, and the reason why is because the heading in my Bible says the year of the Lord's favor. And, you know, when I first saw that, um, you know, my, my first thoughts were, um, 
you know, when I teach through this, yeah, I want to be true to the text. I, I want to tell you what the text says. But also, um, something comes to mind that I, I want us to think about and I want us to be aware of. Um, just from that heading, the year of the Lord's favor, um, sometimes our thoughts can go to the wrong places. Um, and so what I kind of want to do is look at uh, chapter 61, and, and I'll bring a few things to your mind to really kind of think about as we go through 61 and even throughout the rest of Isaiah um, and really throughout any text we teach in the Bible, um, the way we need to kind of view it and look at it. Um, so, so just kind of keep that in mind for a minute. Uh, I want to look at the first two verses, uh, 61 verse 1. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And so we see a few things here. Um, right off the bat, one, somebody's talking and saying the Spirit of the Lord God's upon me. Who is that? We'll kind of figure that out in a minute. Um, but you probably got a pretty good idea. I'm just saying, you guys are pretty smart. You probably know who we're talking about here. Um, but this person is bringing good news to the poor. Um, and then it talks about um, bringing liberty to the captives, opening the prisons to those who are bound. And it's proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor um, and the day of the vengeance comfort all who mourn and so what is this talking about and so what I want to do um, with these two verses in particular is really kind of look at uh, some different ways we can look at these verses and probably some different ways that people do look at these verses um, one is we can think about you know Isaiah was writing to Israel um, he was he was a prophet and so he's bringing the word of God he's saying the Lord has told me this so here it is um, and so they could be thinking about, um, we, we've talked about some of the, the persecution they've been in, um, Assyria, some of these countries, and we know that Babylon's coming, they're going to go into more captivity. Um, and so they could be thinking, well, this is the promise. This is our promised release from, you know, captivity or whatever it may be. Um, and so they could see it as like, he's talking about us. Like, like if, if this bad thing happens to us, then then the Lord's proclaiming, yes, we're going to be set free. We're, going to, we're captives and we're set free. Um, he's going to have vengeance on the people that have wronged us. And, you know, I, I know a lot, of, um, a lot of Jews still kind of think that way. Like, like, you know, the Lord is going to do this for us and he's going to have vengeance on everybody else. Um, and so they could kind of take that thought and, and think of it that way, which, which if that's the case, then as we go through, um, especially verses 3 through 7, um, then these verses would be describing them in particular, which would kind of make most of chapter 61 um, something that's already happened, and, well, that was great for them. So what's that really got to do with us? So we kind of know, well, that's probably not it, right? Um, so that is what I want you to think about. Um, that would be a, a temporary blessing of God. Because they were set free, that was great, that, that's a thing that happened in time, but it's over, right? Um, so now whatever's going on now has nothing really to do with this. Um, so it was, it was physical, it's a physical temporary thing that they're talking about. Um, another way we can look at it is um, that God is going to bring favor and comfort to those who are oppressed. 
And the reason I really kind of want to bring this up, and, and I really kind of hate to, to think of it this way, um, but so much of our world thinks of it this way, especially the Christian world is, is this is talking about a physical blessing from God. That, that oh, this is going to be the year of God's favor. He, he's going to do these things for us. And as we look at it, um, this is going to be, this is going to be the Lord blessing us. And again, we're, we're talking about a temporary physical thing. Like this is something God would do, and then it would be over, and then it's on to the next thing. Um, and it, this kind of goes back, and, and the way this is worded, uh, it kind of ties back to, um, if you guys have heard the term, the year of Jubilee. This is something out of the book of Leviticus. It's in Le- Leviticus 25, and I'm not going to dive into that. If you know it, you, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know well, then you got some homework to do. You get to go read Leviticus 25. Um, but the year of Jubilee, in a nutshell, basically, was something that um, was given to Israel. So every 50 years, they would have this year of Jubilee. And what this, what this would mean for the Israelites was, um, one, if, if an Israelite was a servant or a slave, he was freed. And so he got his freedom. Um, if he had property that he had sold, he has a right to get that back. Um, if he had debt, then they could release him from his debt. Um, and so it's, it's almost like this whole year of resetting. It's like every 50 years, all this stuff that's happened to you, you get to start over. And everybody gets to start over. Um, and even some of the things I was reading about it, it they, they kind of took that into account. So like if I was going to sell you a piece of property, if I was going to sell you 10 acres but we were two years away from the year of Jubilee, like that, that would come into account in what I would sell it to you for. Um, you know, I'm not going to sell it to you for a great price and then you turn around and get it back. Um, you know, the closer you get, probably the cheaper property is, right? Um, so if, if you're just past the year of Jubilee, you're going to pay a lot for it because you get to keep it for 49 years. Um, but, but it was this thing. It was a real thing for them. Um, but again, like, this is temporary, right? So... The year Jubilee comes. I, I told Eric and Sam this morning, um, I'm 52. And so technically, like, I should have had a year Jubilee sometime in my life. And I don't remember that. So I feel like I've been cheated. Um, I, I'm still paying for my house, and somebody hasn't released me from that. So uh, I've, I feel like I've been wronged here. Um, and a lot of you probably do too, so you're, we're on the same boat. Um, but, yeah, so, so that was the real thing. Um, but, but we were talking about... You know, this is this is like physical, a physical blessing. This is a physical death. So, what happened um, the years after the year of jubilee? Like, did these did everybody stay the same? Did everybody, or or do you think throughout the next fifty years that people incurred debt, and that people sold property, and that people were were made servants because they owed? You, you know what I mean? And so, so you had this year of reset, but it didn't stay that way. That's why you had to have another year of Jubilee, because in 50 years, everybody kind of blew it again, and you had to start over. And so this, ha- this happens, you know, over and over and over. Um, so this wasn't like a permanent fix. And so when we look at these verses, you know, um, man, the year of the Lord's favor, like this sounds like a great thing, right? Uh, this sounds like something I would really want. Yes, give me a year of the Lord's favor, um, whatever that looks like. And so there's so many in our society today that takes this, th- these verses as <clears throat> a literal, like, physical blessing of God. 
this is the year of the Lord's favor. And so I want to read something for you. And I kind of hate even reading this, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. Um, and you guys know who I'm about to read from. I probably don't even have to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, this is from a blog from Joel Osteen. Yep. You know it. You know it's coming. Okay. Um, and when I read it, you'll probably hear his voice in your head speaking these words because you know what he sounds like. Um, but just listen to this. And, and this has real significance to this verse, and, I, and you'll see why in just a minute. He says, if the negative is drowning out, I'm not going to try to talk like him. If the negative is drowning out what God has spoken over you, you need a fresh favor spoken over your life. That's why I'm going to declare a blessing upon you. That's what he says. If you receive it into your spirit, it has the power to unleash God's favor. Jesus said, quote, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Luke 4, 18 and 19, and we'll look at that a little bit more in depth. But Jesus actually quoted these verses. And he's actually using Jesus' quoted verses in Luke, the exact same verses we're looking at here, to base this whole thing around. Because he has proclaimed this. And so he says, I declare this will be, again, I declare, I don't know, he must have more authority than I've got. I declare this will be a year of God's favor for you and your family. With healthy relationships and good friends, I declare new doors are going to open with promotion, success, with creativity. I declare you are blessed with good health, with vitality and energy. I declare freedom for every bad habit, recovering for everything that was stolen. I declare that from this day forward, you will experience a new sense of freedom, a new happiness, a new fulfillment. I declare you are blessed. 2022, so we missed it. <laughs> it was last year. 2022 is your year to rise up higher in your relationship, health, finances, and most of all, your walk with God. Like, he had to throw a little bit of God in there. I don't know where that come from, because I didn't hear anything about that coming down. But this was an actual, an actual post where, where somebody took this literal text and said, this is going to be a physical blessing for you for this year. God is going to bless you. I'm, I'm declaring it over your life. This is going to happen for you. And, you know, when you read stuff like this, like um, promotion, success, uh, good health, vitality, energy, sign me up, right? Like, I'm all for that. Man, if I, if I could have better health and energy and vitality and uh, make more money, I mean, is anybody opposed to that stuff? Like, do you want less money and worse health? I don't, I don't think we typically approach God for that. Like, 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 that sounds really good, right? But... That's not what we're talking about. Again, that's going back to a temporary physical blessing of God that, that people are seeking after. And they're seeking after this hard, like, this is what I want. This is what I need. Um, but is this what we're reading about? You know, as we talk about God's judgment and God's eternal kingdom that we're going to be a part of, how do we change gears to a better job? And better health. Like, like, where does that come from? And, and so, and so, that's kind of what I want you guys to think about 
um, as we go through this is what, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about something like physical, like right now in my hands? Or are we talking about something spiritual and eternal? A few verses to consider, Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21, that kind of goes along with this thought. To remember just how temporary these things are. When we talk about seeking after the physical things of, of the world and the physical blessings of God, um, Luke 12, 15 through 21, and he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Now that was a good crop. I don't know what he was growing but whatever it is, he's got a lot of it. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. He was going into retirement, right? Is that what it's like, by the way? I, I, I don't know that I'll ever get to do that, but you retire people, is that kind of what it's like? Eat, drink, and be merry? I bet it's probably not. But God said to him, fool, this not your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And then 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 11. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we, could take, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we'll be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. And so we can kind of see, like, where do we get the mindset that God's going to just give us all this stuff? And, like, this is what we're seeking after. This is what we're asking God for. It sounds to me like it's terrible. Like, like, if you have all this stuff, it's, it's really kind of a curse. Um, you guys ever hear people winning, like, a huge lottery and then going bankrupt? Like, how did that happen? You know, how, how could you win $100 million that go bankrupt? Like, I mean, I won't, I won't sniff that in my entire lifetime. And hopefully I won't go bankrupt. But, I mean, how can somebody be just given a ton of money and then it's like they have nothing. You think it's a curse. Like we don't know what to do with that. We don't know how to handle that. Um, and then the, the passage there in Luke, you know, all these things that we seek after, we get them and we store them up and they're ours and then we die. And then there's somebody else's. I mean, everything I have, which is not much, sorry kids, it's not much, but I do have some things. But someday, those things are not going to be my things. They're going to be somebody else's things. I mean, when me and Jeannie die, kids get whatever we've got. However good or bad that stuff is, it's yours now. It's not mine. <laughs> right? Uh, I'm going to spend all your inheritance. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? <laughs> Sorry. Um, 
but you know what I mean. I, we, we try to get all this stuff, and it doesn't satisfy, and then we die, and then it's somebody else's stuff. And you spend all your life trying to accumulate it. You spend all your life praying to God, please, please give me more stuff. And we don't understand why we don't get it. And then when we do get it, it's really not what we wanted to start with. It's like, well, that's not really that great. Um, I thought it would be better. And, and, and this becomes our life, and this becomes our thinking. And so when we get to verses like this, we think, oh, the year of the Lord's favor. This is good. This is what I need. I need the year of the Lord's favor. And if the Lord was to reach out and bless me this year, what about next year? Like, what if I spend all this blessing this year, and then I have nothing next year? i got to pursue it again. Um, so I don't want you to get in this mindset of, Man, every, the things we're reading, like this is a physical thing that people are going to receive. Maybe it is, but this is not the promise. This promise is bigger than that. This promise is more than just a temporary, here you go, have a good year. Um, man, God is doing something. And in a lot of what we've read, we have to kind of keep that in mind. Um, so another way we can look at this, which is probably a pretty good way to look at it, um, this is kind of talking about the, the coming of the faithful servant, which you guys have heard about the faithful servant because we've been through it in Isaiah, right? Um, anybody know who that is? Jesus, good job. You guys were paying attention. Um, as I said, turn to, turn to Luke chapter 4. And Jesus did quote these verses in Luke 4. And so I want to look at that real quick, starting in verse, go to 16. We'll kind of put it all in context here, and we'll go through 21. So Luke 4, 16, it says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place to where it was written. I think this is interesting because he intentionally went to this point. Like they didn't give him, you know, I, I'm, I'm preaching of Isaiah 61 kind of because that's what I was assigned. Like Eric didn't say, here, preach from Isaiah. We happen to be in 61. I'm going to preach 61. Like they handed Jesus the scroll and it's like, here's all of Isaiah. What are you going to read us? And he went to this. So that's kind of good to keep in mind. He went to this point, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. One, I could just imagine, like, what would that have been like? If you were sitting there that day, and Jesus came and read that, and was like, today this has been fulfilled. You're like, oh my gosh, what, what does that mean? You know, um, this is amazing. I, I want to know. Or you could have been like, this guy's a lunatic, and we need to kill him right now. Because I don't know what he's talking about. Um, I just think it would have been so cool. But kind of the neat thing here, when you, when you look at this, at what he has um, quoted, and then we go back, and like I said, it's not that he left out part of verse 2 because there was no verse 2, right? It was all just written. Um, 
But if we go back and we look, he says that um, he's to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Like, he, he didn't read that part. He stopped at the end of the year of God's favor. Um, so just quick side note, why do you think that was? Well, he didn't come to bring vengeance. He came to bring the good news. He came to bring salvation to mankind. Um, the next time he comes, vengeance. It's coming. But this wasn't the time. And so he didn't come to bring vengeance his first time, but he'll, he'll bring it the second time. So keep that in mind. Um, but he proclaimed that he came to do this. He came to bring the good news to the poor, um, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering the sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are, pre- who are oppressed, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Like this is what Christ said he came to do. And we know throughout all the studies exactly what he came to do. You know, he came to take on our sinfulness and to give us righteousness so we could stand in God, in his myth, as we've read about in Isaiah, as we just read about in the end of Isaiah 60. This great city where all the people were righteous, like, how do you think they got righteous? It's because of what Christ did. And we know that. Um, But sometimes we have to kind of be reminded of that. And just kind of a, a side note here, I, I was, as I was kind of thinking about this and reading through it, um, one thing that I thought was kind of interesting is because, you know, as I look at this and so much of it is like, no, this is, you know, God wasn't bringing like a physical blessing. He wasn't doing this stuff. Um, but Jesus did heal people. You remember that? Like there were people that were blind. There were people that were mute. There were people that were crippled. There was people that died. And Jesus brought them back to life. Like, he was doing all this miraculous stuff. Lepers were coming to him and being cured, and he was doing all this healing, and, and it was miraculous. But what happened to all those people? Anybody know? They died. Like, he did all this great healing, and they still died, right? Guess what? It's appointed to all of us once to die. Like, all the physical things we pursue our physical health, our riches, whatever it may be, you may get them for a time, but the only way you're truly going to be healed and you're truly going to be rich is through the righteousness of Christ in the presence of God forever. We'll get a new body. We'll get a glorified body. It'll be perfect. This is not the perfect one. And I know it's hard to believe, but this is not the perfect (laughs) body, y'all. This is not it. This is not heaven, right? If, if, the earth, if the earth was heaven, where would we long to be, right? Just keep me here. This is great, um, but it's not. And so we're longing for something else, and God's promising it to us. And so when we read this, we have to remember that stuff. Um, yeah, Jesus, he healed people. He, he did physical things. God blesses us. You know what? I feel extremely blessed by God. Like, I mean, I actually have a house, and I drove here in a vehicle. That's a huge blessing of God. Like, there's a lot of the world that don't have that. There's a lot of the world that when they got up this morning, they didn't go turn on water, and it was hot, and they bathed in it. I mean, these are huge blessings of God. We don't think about sometimes. If we have food and clothing and shelter, should we not be content in that? Like, God does bless us. You know, there's been times I've been sick, and I've, recovered from and I've been healed um there's times that people in this church are sick 
and we pray for them and we pray, God, please heal them. Like, we want God to work in that, but that's not the end. Like, this is temporary. Yes, yes, we want the blessing of God. Yes, we want the physical things. This is not the ultimate promise of God. This is not the thing we're longing for. It's not the thing that we should be pursuing after. Um, we should be pursuing after the eternal things of God. And so when we look at that, as I said, when we looked at uh, Isaiah 59, Isaiah 60, there is an eternal um, part of this that we're talking about. There's an eternal judgment coming. There's an eternal reward coming. There, there's sub, there, there's going to be this, this presence with God that we don't know, that we haven't experienced yet. There's going to be this fullness and this completeness and this complete um, perfection in his presence um, that we haven't, we haven't discovered. And so I think with these things, when we read these verses, we have to keep this in mind, that God's talking about something eternal, that he's not talking about um, something physical. And so when we read this, think of the eternal things. Think of what's coming, what's going to be, um, and not what could suit your needs this week or this year or whatever it may be. Um, so the rest of this, we'll, we'll get through a little quicker. Uh, just kind of want to point out a few things. If we start in verse 3, he says, To grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. And so note the um, differences here. Beautiful headdress instead of ashes. There's, there's a great contrast between these two things. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They shall build up ancient ruins. They shall rise in the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, <coughs> the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priest of the Lord. And they shall speak of you as ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion and shall have everlasting joy. And so you can kind of see this great blessing of God that we're talking about. And if we look at it the wrong way, such as, you know, once Israel goes into Babylonian captivity, they could look at this and go, oh, here's the deliverance. Like, this is what's going to happen. And so, and so we get to go rebuild our city, and we get to get all this stuff back, and everybody's going to look at us and be like, oh, look how blessed they are. Um, but what is that? Like, what does that accomplish? So what if you get to rebuild your city? You know what? Somebody's probably just going to tear it back down. I mean, it, it happens, you know. So, so we don't look at this as, as, as a temporary, like God's going to do something for a little while, but he's not going to do it forever. Like we look at this as, now, there's going to be a city that God's going to build that nothing can prevail against. There's going to be a city that we're going to dwell where he's going to be. This is a city I want to live in. This is a city I'm looking forward to. And so as we look at these things, we see how, how he takes us from this broken state, and he, and he turns it into a glorious state. He, he takes, as I said, I love kind of the way um, some of this wording is a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. You think about somebody, especially when you, you go back through um, 
the Jewish culture. And when somebody was mourning, what did they do? They covered themselves in sackcloth and ashes. And so you think of somebody with, they put ashes on their head because they're mourning. Well, if somebody's got a beautiful headdress, they're, they're not mourning, they're celebrating. Like, like he's taken us from this state of mourning, and now we're in a state of celebration. Um, gladness instead of mourning. Praise instead of a faint spirit. Like, like he's completely like 180 from who we were to who we're going to be. Um, and it's beautiful. <clears throat> he talks about um, us being oaks of righteousness. And uh, if you guys know much about oak trees, like they're pretty solid, right? Um, an oak tree is a pretty solid tree. Like that thing is firm. And like if my righteousness is as firm as a, as a planted oak, like that's a firm righteousness. Like that's who we are. Um, but then I love that it says, um, <coughs> sorry, the planning of the Lord that he may be glorified. And so we're starting to see like, oh, this is not something I did, right? And y'all know this. Like we've been talking about this through the whole thing. This is something God's doing. Like God planted that righteousness. I didn't plant it. God planted it, and it's solid, it's firm. That's not going anywhere because God put it there. Um, and then talking about this city, um, as, I, as I've mentioned, this new Jerusalem uh, that we have read about in Revelation 21, this great promise of this, this city's going to come, and this is where we're going to dwell in the presence of the Lord, and he's going to be our light, and we're going to be in his midst. Um, so if you're if your faith is in Jesus, like this is your, this is your promised destiny. Um, but if it's not, then we switch over to the vengeance and judgment part. Like that's coming for the unbeliever. It's either going to be vengeance and judgment, or it's going to be eternal dwelling with God. Like there's no, there's no middle ground, and He's promising both, and He's going to do both. Both of these are perfectly within um, His right and His power to do and that's exactly what he's going to do um, so if we go to verses 8 and 9 it says for I the Lord love justice I hate robbery and wrong I will faithfully give them the recompense and I will make an everlasting covenant with them their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the people all who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the offspring the Lord has blessed so here we do kind of get kind of a different perspective because now the Lord is talking. I mean, I, the Lord, love justice. So, like, this is not Isaiah talking anymore. This is, this is God. God says, I love justice, and I hate robbery and wrong. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about that, and I'm like, yes, yeah, so do I. Um, man, our society is all about justice, is it not? Like, there's been a lot of protest about justice. We want justice, Right? That's what everybody wants. Everybody wants justice. Um, until we really think about, do we really want justice? Like, do you really want justice? Do you want God to be a just God against you? Do you want him to look at your life and all the wrongs you have done and be just? Like, I don't want him to be just. <laughs> but that's why he sent Christ. Because he poured his wrath and his judgment out upon him. So he is a just God. But Christ took what I deserved. And, and instead I get his righteousness. It, it's, 
it's a great trade for me. Um, it doesn't sound so good for him, but it is. It's beautiful. It is glorifying to Christ. Um, so he is a just God. But, and as, as Sam read, I actually um, have this in my notes, Sam. You didn't know this. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. So, like, Sam did a beautiful job of setting this up. Um, I feel like I need to tip him or something. Like, good job. Um, because I was, I was going to look at that. Because that's exactly what we're talking about. Um, justice. Do you love justice? Because as Sam read, um, we were the ones that were walking and following the course of the world, the prince of the power of air, the spirit that's now in the sons of disobedience. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carried out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath. It's like, yes, God, I love justice, but I'm a children of wrath. Like, I don't, I don't want to be a child of wrath. I don't want to be a child of blessing. Um, but God here says he is just. He loves justice. And, and again, um, how do we get around that? We get around that because he poured his, his wrath out upon Christ. Like, that's why Christ came. Um, and so he is a just God. He does love justice. And we love it because we have a substitute to take what we deserve. Um, and so we love that God is, is a just God. <clears throat> and he says, I hate robbery and wrong. And we're like, yes. Does anybody like robbery and wrong? Nobody? Nobody likes robbery and wrong. I don't either. Um, have you ever had something stolen? How does it make you feel when somebody steals something from you? You're like, I want justice, right? I want justice for that person. They took something from me. Um, quick story. I'll, I'll try to be brief. Um, I actually had a truck stolen in my driveway once. And you talk about somebody who's like, I want some justice on somebody. Man, that, that really, that, I mean, he didn't just take, like, a potted plant off my porch. Like, he come in my driveway when I was asleep and took my truck. And Jeannie, that, back at the time, she was going to a, a gym early in the morning um, and working out. Like, she went to the gym and walked or whatever, and she come back and got me up out of bed, and she was like, hey, where's your truck? And I'm like, what do you mean? It's in the driveway. She's like, no, it's not in the driveway. And that is like the most sick feeling I've ever had in my gut to think, what? My truck is not in the driveway? And it wasn't. I went out there and looked, and it wasn't there. Um, but I was dumb enough to leave the door unlocked, and there was a valet key inside that started the motor. So there you go. Um, some guy thought he needed to ride to McMinnville and took it to McMinnville. But it's a terrible feeling. Like, I don't like being robbed. I don't like being stolen from, right? Nobody does. Um, but then I remember these verses in Malachi. Malachi 3, verses 6 through 9. He says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? And then God's response, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You're cursed with the curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. And then Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And the reason I wanted to put that in there is because it's not about money. Like When we talk about robbing God, we're not talking about, well, you didn't tie this week, though that may be a form of robbing God. But in Romans, he doesn't talk about money. He talks about your body, giving yourself as a living sacrifice to God. Like, what do you think it means when you call Jesus Lord? Who is the Lord? The Lord is your master. You are a servant. And if you don't give yourself over to your Lord, are you being a servant? And man, there's so many times that I rob God because I don't do what God wants. I'm not giving him everything I have. I'm not giving him my body. I'm not giving him my time. I'm not giving him my devotion. I'm robbing God. I can put a check over here in this box and be like, okay, I'm good. I'm not. Like, I'm robbing God. And what does it say in Isaiah 61.8? I hate rob- robbery and wrong. Just more, probably more than I hate robbery. I didn't like getting a truck stolen. God sure don't like it when I'm robbing him. And the reason I bring this up is because we read things like this and we're like, yeah, I can agree with that. I love justice. I hate robbery. I hate wrongdoing. But really, like, do we? Like, do I really want God to be just? Am, am I really giving God what he deserves? Like, I don't want God's justice, and I'm robbing him. And he says, this is not good. And so when we look at these things, and we keep this in the physical realm, like, we're doing a great injustice to this text. Like, we're not talking about a few physical things. We're talking about an eternal thing. We're talking about something that God says, I hate these things and I'm going to pay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be just. I'm, I'm going to faithfully give them the recompense. Like God will faith, faithfully give the recompense for my robbery. But I'm, he's not going to give it to me. He gave it to Christ. And man, that's why we have to, when we read these verses, man, we have to praise God that we don't get what we deserve. We can say, yes, God, I agree with you. I I love justice. I hate robbery. But thank you, Lord, that you didn't hold that against me. Thank you, Lord, that you sent Jesus to take that. And you guys remember Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. We just went through that a couple of months ago. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Man, this is the good news of what we're reading. This is the good news of, of all these promises that God is making through Isaiah that Jesus took this stuff upon himself so we could be the recipient of these promises. We, we can be the recipient of this great promise of, of this great city and this year of the Lord and all this favor that the Lord is pouring out upon us because it's an eternal thing and it's all through Christ that, that we're able to do this. Um, and then if we quickly just look at verses 10 through 11, it says, I rejoice in the Lord, my soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with 
garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and its garden causes what is sown into it to sprout up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. And real quick, the thing I really want to point out here in these verses, um, <clears throat> if we look at the wording, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. And as Sam kind of brought up, it's not me that did this. Like, I'm not clothing myself with righteousness. I get the righteousness that God has clothed me with through Jesus Christ. Like, he's the one that's given me righteousness. He's the one that's given me salvation. He's the one that has caused righteousness and praise to sprout up before the nations. He's the one doing all this. Like, this is God. This is God at work. This is God at work in our lives. He's causing all this to happen. If you have a righteousness before God, it's because he gave it to you through Christ. If you have salvation, it's because he gave it to you through Christ. Like, like this is a work of God, and we can't take credit for that. We can't take credit for our righteousness for our salvation for our whatever like we have to give glory to God for that because he's the one that's done it and it says I will rejoice in the Lord I'll greatly rejoice in the Lord and my soul shall exalt my God so like my I, I guess kind of my question in one is like are you doing that like if you realize all that God's blessed you with and what he's given you and the sacrifice that he's made that you don't get justice but Christ took that for you like, what's your response to that? Do you rejoice greatly in the Lord? Like, do you thank him for that? Are, are you grateful for that? Like, does your life revolve around that? Or do you kind of take it for granted? And it's like, hey, I'm glad I've got this, and I'm good to go for eternity, but for now I'm going to do what I do, you know? Um, someday I'll be rewarded, but not right now. Like, that can't be our attitude. Our attitude has to be, rejoicing in the Lord because he's the one that's caused these things um, so just a, a verse I want to leave you with um, as we think about these things and we think about the temporary pleasures of life versus the eternal things and what should really bring us joy what, what are the thing, what's the thing we should rejoice in like do you rejoice in the physical blessings of God or do you rejoice in the eternal blessing of God like what do you truly rejoice in? Like, what truly brings you joy? Um, and I was thinking about this verse, and um, Jeannie was watching a, a video from John Piper uh, the other day where he was talking about Timothy Keller. And as, as um, Sam said, you know, Timothy Keller, he passed away Friday. He had cancer, and he, he died. And so John Piper was talking about Timothy Keller, and I, I don't remember the question, but it was something about, you know, what do you think he would want pastors like, what would he say to pastors? What would he say to those? Um, and so John Piper was talking about that, and he quoted um, Luke 10, verses 17 through 20. And it's funny because these are some verses that have just, when I first read them, are just like, oh, man. Ever since I read those, like, these verses are great. Like, like if you're going to list some of your favorite verses, like these, for me, this fell in there. And, he, and this is what he quoted, Luke 10, verses 17 through 20. Jesus sent 72 out to all the different villages to go and to preach to them um, until they come back, right? All these people went out. God gave them power, or Christ gave them power to go out in the cities, 
um, to do all this ministry. They came back, and it says the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in, our, in your name, which is pretty awesome. Like, if, if you were sent, you know, to Crossville to minister, and you were casting out demons, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe, like, God, I can't, like, I can't believe demons were were subject to me in your name. Like, like you gave me that much power. Like, they were so excited about it. And he said, I saw fate, Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Like, he was there when he got kicked out. He's, it's almost like, well, of course you had power over him. I kicked him out of heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And I'm like, man, that is such a good verse. Like, if I'm going to rejoice in anything, I rejoice in the fact that my name's written in heaven. Like, I know the righteousness of Christ. I have faith in, in the work that he's done, and my name is written in heaven. What could come against me? What could, what could I ever want from God that's going to be any better than that? And so my challenge to you is, what are you rejoicing in? You know, is it the temporary things of life that, that just have you so tore up that you can't enjoy the blessings of God? Which, again, those things, we have to have them, right? Food, shelter, clothing, we need these things. God knows you need them. But man, rejoice that your name's written in heaven. If you have faith in Jesus, if you know him. This is the thing worth rejoicing for. This is the eternal thing. This is the big picture. This is not a temporary thing that's, that's going to satisfy for a moment and then be fleeting. This is a thing that's lasting. And so this is what we need to rejoice in. This is where our hope needs to be found. And when we read verses like this, we, we have to see these in light of eternity. That, that God's promises are not temporary and fleeting. They're eternal. And they're far deeper and, and, and far wider than we could ever imagine. So pray with me.